1: Good evening everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. And it's a warm, balmy night here <laughs> in the Attic. <laughs> yep. Anyways, I am Ron Kolick, your host, and joining me with her Howling Banshee is the, <laughs> the Blonde Bombshell herself, Ann Kerrigan.
2: Hi. <laughs> I apologize now for anything my dog does during this broadcast, because there's no one here to corral him but me. So uh, he's chosen this exact moment to flip out and bark at the wind. I don't know.
1: You know, uh, I hear that same speech from every woman I meet that uh, when they introduce me.
2: Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Okay, that's you. They, he, apolo- they
1: apologize for for me.
2: <laughs> oh, I see where you're going with this.
1: Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: I. Yeah, that can apply to Ron too. Absolutely. We apologize for anything Ron is about to do. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Definitely. So, anyways,
1: today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street. I always want to say Avenue Merrimack Street in the Thuwin, Massachusetts, and the Galant Messier Family Law Group, and that's Four High Street, Suite One Fifty Five in North Andover, Massachusetts. And there you go. All right.
0: Perfect. And of course,
1: fabulous face painting. Ah, oh,
2: yes, fabulous face painting. Someday, fabulous face painting is going to do an ad for yeah. you. <laughs> But, oh, my God, was that thunder? Was that... But, yes, all kinds of things going on. But, yes, fabulous face painting. Having a holiday event? Look up fabulousfacepainting.com and I can help you out. There you go. There you go. So, anyways, we
1: have have a good show tonight. And this is one I've always been intrigued about. Yeah. And uh, this is a a young man who's written a, a new book. And it's called uh, Life in the Morgue, unlike Live in the Morgue. Ah. Ah. He is Lance Anderson.
3: Hello, Lance. Thank you for that. Yep. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, Lance. Hi.
2: <laughs> I love that, that title. It's kind of like a... Uh,
1: Which one, Live life, or uh, life?
2: Life? Life <laughs> in the Morgue. It's like an oxymoron, right? Kind of.
3: It it kind of sorta of is, kind of <laughs> sorta of is, but it it's basically about you know life as a technician at the medical examiner's office. So. Oh my god, really I can't
2: even imagine.
1: So I, I, you know, I've got to ask you. You started out as an iron worker, according to your bio, and then for some reason you changed and decided to take a job in the morgue. So uh, you want to lead me through that? I mean, that's not something. Would you do just wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I'd like to work with dead people. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, no, well, it really wasn't quite like that. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the big gig and when that was going on. Yep. I, I was uh, That was a, a big part of my iron working career. So you can thank me for that 15 minutes you're saving on your Boston commute.
0: Oh,
3: thanks.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> when
1: do we ever save 15 minutes on a Boston commute?
3: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um, well, so once the big dig started winding down, you know, work was hotter and hotter, hotter and hotter to come by to get a forty-hour week. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, most everything I was doing was commercial construction. Ah,
2: uh-huh.
3: okay. So, you know, in the winter when it gets really cold and uh, crappy, <laughs> for lack of a better term, <laughs> you, you need to find other things to do in the in the colder months. So, I went to work for a demolition company, and they just kept sending me out of town. And we were working up in, uh, Portland, Maine. And we'd leave on early Monday morning, come back Friday night.
0: Um. And
3: that just wasn't working out very well for married life with, you know, the young kid and a couple other kids. Yep. So it was, it was, uh, time to start looking for a change and I, I just happened to come across, uh, a website that had a bunch of state jobs listed and that one kind of stuck out.
1: Well, so awesome. what were, what were the qualifications for,
3: Mod technician. (laughs) It's kind of funny. It was a high school diploma and a driver's license.
2: Oh, Oh, my goodness.
3: Yes. But the the, the job description, it it was, it was, it was a very thorough job description. I'll give him that. Mm -hmm. But it it did not lead you to believe all of the stuff that you would be doing. It it just kind of seemed like you'd be driving around in the truck and you'd, you'd go to these scenes. And you pick up the body and transport it back to the office or, or wherever it needed to go. Type of thing. And it turned out to be a lot more than that.
0: Wow. Yeah, I have
1: a, a friend, uh, who, uh, actually worked with state police as a state police photographer and that's what he would do. He would go and, and take, uh, photos of all this stuff as well. So, uh, i it, it's, it's, I, I just, it's, I just, you know, you're looking for a job, but that's, it seems a little macabre. I mean, were you, did you have any doubts at all?
3: Oh, I had, I had tons of doubts. I had, <laughs> in no way, shape, or form, thought I was qualified for that job. Mm hmm. E- even though the requirements for the high school diploma and a driver's license, I, I did not think I had uh, any shot of getting that at all.
2: Oh, my goodness.
3: But the, the war was, you know, it was a, it's a state job, and everyone knows state jobs. Yep. You get tons of time off. You know, supposedly they're good jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was, well, that was that was the big attraction.
2: Oh wow! So how many years ago was this that you began this new, you know, job, this new life?
3: I started in March of 2005, and I ended in March of 2011. Ah.
2: 2011. Okay. Uh, seven so,
3: years, yeah. Yeah, just about seven years,
2: yeah. Ah, uh, so what was the first? What was the very first thing that you had to do when you started this job?
3: <laughs> my my first official assignment as a morgue technician mm-hmm. <laughs> was to <laughs> run a pair of hands in a bucket to box.
0: Ah!
3: <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh my! God That's cool. That was my first official task as a
0: technician. A oh,
2: handwriting. Oh that's crazy. So they found the hands and nothing else
3: or just yes, Just a set of hands. Oh my God. Wow. They weren't recently discovered hands. They they were in storage there for a while and and they were had something to do with the case. Oh. Uh, that was, you know, previous, it, it might have been a case from a year or two ago, I have no idea.
0: Oh, I thought
3: them And they needed them out in Holyoke. Oh my so,
2: goodness.
3: Uh, I, I drove them out there and, uh, <laughs> the Holyoke doctor met me at a, at a toll, toll booth plaza, uh, stop. We kind of pulled off and I, I gave her the bucket she said, thanks for lending us a hand. Ah, uh, I, 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 knew, I knew that was coming
1: sooner or later.
2: Uh, <laughs> so they were just hanging around. <laughs> oh my uh, god. That was
1: really bad. That really was. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh my god. I,
1: but Blitz, I mean I mean it I don't know. It, it just seems like okay, I'm going to take this job. It's, yeah, I understand the reasons why, you know, it's a it's a state job and it's good, but were you? I mean, were you sure you could hack it? I mean, did did you? Were you, were you in the military? Let me ask you that
3: no, part. I was not. I was not in the military. Uh, okay. So I was a volunteer firefighter, and I worked for. I was a volunteer with the Red Cross uh, disaster action response team. Oh, Okay. <laughs> but I. But to be honest with you, this is this is kind of one of the stories in the book is how I got the job. Uh, one of the questions they asked me on the interview. Was had I ever seen a dead body? And and my answer was my answer was Mm (laughs) yes. The book is quite interesting. You really, like (laughs) I (laughs) think it is. But um, yes, my answer was you know not really. I was on the I said I was on a volunteer fire department, and we had a a rescue squad call, Mm -hmm. and and it was a man on his treadmill, and and he had a cardiac event, and you know he had he had passed away. Absolutely. Really. Exercise kills. Yeah, well, that's why I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. That was, that was pretty much the only body I had seen that had passed away in its, you know, in its own environment, I guess, is the best way to put it. I mean, uh, I mean funerals I mean, and waves, but.
1: I mean, we all have seen dead bodies, because uh, 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 I, I haven't. Yes, you have. You've got a well. You go to funerals, have you?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, but
1: that's well, wait, not the wait, same. Wait, 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 Well, let me finish my question. So mm-hmm. we've all seen dead bodies, you know, at funerals and things, but they're always been prepared and everything. Is right. there a is there a different thing? Is it different when you come across a recently deceased body? I mean, is is there a different feeling that you have?
3: Oh yeah, it, it's nothing like a funeral or a wake. <laughs> okay. Um, I. I don't, I don't know how graphic you want me to be, but you oh, know, really, it, really, it really depends on the situation.
1: show's not PG. We don't care.
3: Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, it, really, it really depends on the, on the situation and how the person passed away. It, right. Uh, most of the stuff the medical examiner is picking up, you know, is an unexpected or, you know, unnatural death. Mm-hmm. So some of those can be very, very messy. Right. And right. some not and some not so much. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah had to, you know, pick the
1: guts out of your shoelaces and stuff. Yeah, oh, gross. Ugh. Uh,
2: and of course, you must have to suit up. Well, you are you're probably there after the police they've come in and done their thing, like their forensics. Exactly. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you probably still have to suit up so you don't get anything on you and whatever. But, uh. They would have already been if it was a crime scene. Whatever. I mean, they still go in and they, you know, they have to investigate.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, we usually. Yeah, I was going to say we usually they just a few minutes after them. We don't. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, we don't wait too long to get there. You
0: know. Right. Because they can mess up everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, who do you
1: officially work for? Is is it like the state police, or or is there? Uh, what, who do you, well, who's your boss? I mean, who does the medical examiner work for?
3: Uh, they're under the Department of Public Safety. Okay. Aha. Okay. But we're, we're, we 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 were not considered, you know, it's not like TV. No one gave me a, a gun, a badge, and a Humvee to drive. Damn. Out. Damn. <laughs> uh, which was, no, I, I gotta say, it was very disappointing. But, um, <laughs> uh, we, we weren't considered any kind of law enforcement by any stretch of the imagination. We certainly weren't first responders or EMS. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Mm-hmm. right
3: we were the ones that just came to you know do the removal type of thing
0: so
1: did you ever were you around when they did autopsies
3: I uh, yeah I did over I did I, I say 2500 but that's on the light side
2: <laughs> oh my goodness
3: that I've assisted in, at least yeah
2: you assisted
1: like, ooh. so who does the <laughs> autopsy is it the medical examiner himself
3: well, they have, they have several there. They, there's, uh boy, I wish I knew you were going to ask me that question. I'd give you an exact number, but I'm, I'm going to go. They have eight to ten medical examiners. Oh, wow.
2: Oh, I'm sure. You have to.
3: Yeah, people are dying to get in.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Have you ever read uh the Patricia Cornwell books? And She's a forensic. uh She's a medical examiner. They're like, you know,
3: murder mysteries. Um, I, you know, I'm gonna say I've heard her name, but I'm not. I can't say I, I've read any of her books. Yeah, i just, I've never. This is probably kind of odd, but I've never been like a murder mystery fan genre.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well, they're I, they're I, really yeah they're they're really, really interesting, and and it's uh you know she's she these these they're very in depth uh forensic, you know. I'm sure that she has medical examiners. I think she has a medical background, but uh, some of them are like, I I can't even like quite read all of it. Sometimes I just like skip ahead, and I'm like, oh, I, I just can't. It's really graphic, so, but yeah, I cannot imagine the things that have to be done, and I mean, it's really interesting at the same time.
3: Yeah, well, I didn't want the book to be too graphic. I do have Oh, maybe, maybe. Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the first case that's discussed is, is probably graphic because I I did want you know to kind of walk people through an autopsy, mm-hmm. a basic autopsy. So that one's kind of graphic, but you know the rest of the book it, it's I tried to write it as like a humorous fiction. <laughs> it, it, it's based on true stories following this technician's career, but but it's kind of written as a humorous fiction. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs>
2: Oh, oh, good. There's your dog. Another banshee. I
1: won't.
2: I won't feel bad because my mine's quiet at the moment. I shouldn't even say that.
3: <laughs> but I'm at the basement door for no reason.
2: Mm-hmm. I do too.
1: So, so Lance, I I know you have an interest in the paranormal. Did you have your interest in the paranormal before you became a medical examiner? or uh, afterwards.
3: Actually, I did. I, I kind of grew up in uh, what I consider a very very crazy haunted house in Lawrence. Oh oh no.
1: my neck my neck
3: of the woods oh absolutely your neck of the woods yes and um i, I don't know 20 mid 20s to mid 20s to we'll say mid 30s i wasn't doing a whole lot and then um my oldest stepdaughter said hey there's this paranormal group giving a presentation let's let's go watch it so we, we went and then i kind of became their groupie and got on their team and kind of been at it ever since and that was probably you know, 2008 eight ish 2009 Okay. So I I've been well I'll say for at least ten years.
2: Okay. Awesome. What's the name of the group?
3: Uh my current group that I'm a co founder of is Paranormal Odyssey Investigations. Cool.
2: Poi.
0: Poi.
3: Poi. What? I saw on Facebook. We got a really cool website address too, so <laughs> <laughs> <us>
0: The
3: Board. <laughs>
1: Ooh, nice.
3: Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Uh. Yeah.
1: Where, whereabouts in, in, Lawrence did you grow up?
3: Are uh, you familiar with the Weatherby School area?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, uh, right up the street. No Back way.
1: Street. <laughs> really? Uh, Are you familiar with St. Patrick's Church?
3: Absolutely. I went to St. Patrick's School.
1: <laughs> I, I got married in St. Patrick's.
3: Ah,
2: oh, there's a connection.
1: And my wife. Yep wife uh, grew up on Tyler Street, which is... Right around the
3: corner from where I grew yep. up. That's right.
1: <laughs> Small I, I
3: world, Lance. Yeah, I did not know that. That's, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah. In fact, we just sold the house uh, last year. It was... Uh, uh the, the trust, it was in a trust, and it was sort of last year. But, yeah, see, it's a small world. But not not too, why I bring that up is because there was a woman, and I can't, of course, couldn't remember her name, but she wrote a very famous uh, story uh, about uh, a haunted house in Lawrence. And it wasn't too far from there. It was... Um, <clears throat> Let me think what it I believe it was... Whatever. Anyways, but it, it was a cool place. I actually uh, went into it and everything else. It was, it was pretty amazing. But then it, it mysteriously burnt down. So, uh, yeah, but it, it was... I, I think it was a, ca- a haunting house. I'll have to find that out. That was an old night. I interviewed her about 20 years ago, probably. Uh, when I had was on WCCM originally, and uh yeah, but yeah, that was right in your neck, neck of the
3: neighborhood. So, well, if you, if you grew up on if you grew up on Tyler Street, you know the elderly housing unit that was yeah, on yeah. my street. My house was the first one right after that elderly housing unit. I, I don't. Oh. Know, yeah, dressers. You know, all the ghost centers will go these poor people down. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah that, that house was yeah, that house was crazy growing up. As, as I, I don't know how else to describe it. So. <laughs> oh my goodness!
1: That's so funny you now because I didn't grow up there. My wife grew up there. Um, she was so close to you, and yet she had no paranormal activity. So, that, so it, it, it clearly wasn't a um, location thing. It was more pro- predominantly the house itself, I guess, right?
3: Uh, it and the one I grew up in. Yeah, the one you grew up in. Well, I don't know how much time you got, so I'll I'll keep the story. We
1: have have plenty of time. Don't worry about that. we got an hour. Yeah.
3: Okay. Well, the house, when my parents bought the house, I was very young, maybe six or seven years old. And from, I I remember going to walk through the house when they were looking to buy. I remember they took me and my brother with them. And me and my brother both right from the get-go refused to go down to the basement and wouldn't go anywhere near the attic. And this was, you know, my brother's two years older than me. And I, I guess like that I was six or seven, <laughs> Right. we wouldn't go anywhere near the basement or the attic in this house. Oh. They ended up buying the house that happened to be a two family.
0: Mm-hmm. And as we
3: were growing up, there's, there's always, there was always bumps and noises in the night. You know that the parents always dismissed mm-hmm. as nothing. You know, there were people living upstairs. It was a two family house. Mm-hmm. Um, Eventually, you know, a couple more, a few more years went by. I'm um, roughly 10, 11 years old at this point. Uh My mother got pregnant with my sister. The people that were upstairs had moved out. So they decided to move me and my brother upstairs into the two big front rooms of the house, for bedrooms.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And, and that's when, you know, everything just went chaotic. Oh. Like footsteps, footsteps up in the attic, you know, that would knock dust off the ceiling. Oh. Uh Wow. The, the back half of the house was two empty bedrooms, an empty kitchen, a pantry, and a bathroom. And you could just lay there in bed all night and hear noises. Uh, sounded like boxes being dragged around. You'd hear voices. Uh, it was, it was crazy. Wow. Uh, I remember, yeah, you know, I, I remember telling my mother about this stuff and like, I, I didn't want to sleep up again. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, obviously you, you don't tell mom and dad what you want to do when you're 10 or 11. <laughs> sure. and at least not my mom and dad, anyway. But, yeah, uh, no, I
0: agree. I agree.
3: <laughs> so I ended up staying up there, and they thought there was an old gas heater in the middle, uh, in the middle back wall in my room. That was what heated the upstairs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
3: it started, it started going along the lines of the heater would get cranked up. I'd wake up like soaked and sweat. My my bedroom would be like 90 degrees. Mm Because the heater was getting turned up like almost nightly. So, you know, once the gas bill started coming in, I started getting in trouble for that. (laughs) Um, After the second like really phenomenally huge gas bill, I was accused of doing it. So I didn't have to sleep up there. My father, my father took the dial off the, off the heater. So you needed a pair of pliers to change the temperature, Mm -hmm. change the setting. And (laughs) this is, this is where I sound like the crazy person. (laughs) <laughs> I was in bed one night and I'm terrified because I'm hearing noises oh. and I see this, <laughs> I see this little boy apparition come floating out of the kitchen. There was oh just God. a big, there was a big blanket that was hung up. There was no interior door on it. It was just a big blanket hung over the right. door mm-hmm. and yeah. he come, he come right through the thing, it kind of moved a little bit, but not much, but he come right over and he flew kind of hovered by the heater. And now I'm sitting up in bed, absolutely terrified. Oh. I'm like, what are you doing? And he just, he just kind of turned, you know, without turning his head, his whole body just kind of turned and looked at me and he says, I'm cold. <laughs> and, and he just and he and then he kind of vaporized. Now I ended up going downstairs and sleeping on the couch, which, uh-huh. got, me trouble, which got me in trouble. And I was told that. I needed to be upstairs. I don't know what the heck they were doing downstairs, but I was told I needed to be upstairs at night.
2: (laughs) Oh, my
3: God. I I bribed my brother because he was doing an early morning Herald paper route. Mm -hmm. I bribed my brother. I I did his paper route for six months, and he got to keep all the money to switch bedrooms.
0: (laughs) Oh, Oh, I can't believe they would believe you.
3: No, they did. Well, see, I'm not convinced now as an adult that my parents didn't know what was going on. Really? Now the yeah. the I'll skip the I I can skip all the middle years because when I was 14, I went to Essex Aggie,
0: uh-huh. okay, yeah,
3: in Danvers, and so I happened to get very lucky. I was really looking for a job where I could live on a farm, mm-hmm. and I found one in Rowley, Massachusetts. So I yeah. went to school. I went to school from Rowley and stayed on the farm, and I came home every other weekend.
1: Ah, so, uh-huh. so, so you did so, get away from it.
3: <laughs> I did get away from it, and. Now we got to fast forward even more. My parents, I had two more younger sisters after the one uh, that ended up getting us moved upstairs. Uh-huh. I had two younger sisters, and I was at my second sister's daughter's sweet sixteen party. This was years ago, and I was sitting at the table and was talking to some people. And, and you know, every, every time someone's sitting with me, we're either talking medical examiner stuff or ghosts. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we're sitting there talking about ghosts, and my sister comes up. And she goes, "Oh, who are you talking about, Danny?" I'm like, "Who?" And she goes, "Danny, the little boy ghost that lives at Mom's."
0: Oh, oh wow! And oh,
2: vindication! I'm
3: like, like "You've seen Danny?" And she goes, "Everyone's seen Danny. Everyone knows he's there." Oh my god! I'm like, "You got to be kidding!" So, yeah.
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Thanks. And for now I, I, have not,
3: I have not personally done any research on on Danny, but my my brother. Uh, said that the house was built in like 1912. My brother said he he tried to look up who Danny could possibly be. And in the late 30s, early 40s, there was a a, a kid that lived there named Danny, and he was known in the neighborhood as Danny the Milkman because he helped the milkman deliver milk.
0: Mm-hmm. And oh, he, wow. ended
3: up, he ended up falling through the ice on one of the canals in Lawrence and drowning.
0: Oh no! You
3: know, wonder, I've got it so Aww. it kind it kind of ties the whole story in together, and it was like mm-hmm. you know, from the time I was ten years old to, we'll say, you know, in my mid to late thirties, and it all kind of got tied together.
0: Wow. You so know, you know
1: I've got to ask my my wife about that because she, like I said, she grew up there, so she might be aware of this, and and I remember her telling me stories about a uh, a boy that fell through the ice. Uh, and Lawrence, so I wonder if it's the same one. This is, this is intriguing, Lance. I'm so glad you
3: brought it up.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh, I love to talk ghosts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the poor guy, no wonder he was cold. That, cold well, from the it, ice. It,
3: it, it really tied the, story, the whole story together and it just kind of blew my mind, so. Oh,
2: wow. So did that heating problem continue after you left?
3: Well,
1: the heating problem is going to continue for a little longer. We have to take a break. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyways, you're listening (laughs) to (laughs) Ghost. Chronicles Next Generation right here on Tojanette and Pararex Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Mirrack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts, and, of course, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group for High Street Suite 155, North Andover, Massachusetts, and fabulous face painting. We'll be right back after the following messages with our guests, Lance Anderson and Life in the Mar. Do you have a paranormal event?
2: book or something else you want people to know about then why not advertise it on ghost chronicles radio with over 150,000 downloads a month get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject we have a plan at a cost that fits your needs for more information contact ron Kolick at any ghost project at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678 hello
1: hello can you hear me my name is harry price i am speaking to you via the meeting of the ghost box
2: And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our special guest this evening, author and paranormal investigator, Lance Anderson. Hey. Hi.
1: And there's Screaming Banshee. <laughs>
2: nah. It's quiet compared to my dog.
1: <laughs> we we haven't heard of these since the beginning. Anyways, mm, uh we, sleep. Yeah, we were talking about, uh, t- talking with Lance about the house he grew up in. And, uh, by the way, Lance, uh, where can, uh, people get a copy of your book?
3: They can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It's a, there's a Kindle version. Um, nice. And there's a few copies left at Gibson's in Concord, New Hampshire.
0: There you go. Ah. Ah. All
2: right. So, I asked you before the break if you still, uh, once you moved out, if the heat still kept getting turned up. You said yes?
0: Yes.
3: <laughs> the heat was still being turned up. Aha! Without, without the dial.
2: Without the dial. How interesting. Yeah. Must have been nice to be vindicated though. That. Um or did they just blame the next kid <laughs> uh,
3: yeah i was, was going to say my, my parents held the line of there was nothing wrong uh. was squirrels or birds or something <laughs> yeah. they, they, they always held the line so i just didn't want to admit it i well you know as, as i like i said as, as an adult and talking to my siblings mm-hmm. we're all adults i mean everyone you know as they were growing up except for me because i was on the farm but everyone as they were growing up, you know, got married, had kids, all lived in the upstairs, and nice. it turns out everybody saw it. One of the stories was when I was talking about the Sweet 16 thing after my sister started talking about Danny, mm-hmm. she was talking about one of my nieces from my oldest daughter, and she had come out of her bedroom, which was off to the side of the big room where I was sleeping, mm-hmm. and she said, she said she saw Danny floating by the heater, and she got so scared she almost fell out the second floor window. Oh. You was know, just behind the couch and, and hit the window, and it was half open. Holy crap. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> she said it scared her pretty good. Uh-huh. So, it's, you know, it's just one of those things. Everyone that lived up there has seen them. So mm-hmm. that, that part vindicates me.
0: <laughs> there you go. And,
2: and it's really funny because, like, the people who moved out that used to live up there, you, you, they must
3: have seen them. I, I can't imagine they didn't
2: Right? Why why would the rest of you and not them?
3: I, I I don't know. I, I um, can't imagine they didn't.
0: Yeah.
1: So was they only parent to, to children?
0: Maybe. Uh, uh Maybe. I never I never I don't, considered know. I don't know.
1: I just that's I certainly don't know. I'm just throwing that up there.
3: Just I, I never considered that. That's that's a good theory. Wow.
1: So anyways, let's get back to your, your book Life in the Morgue uh what what possessed you to write that book anyways (laughs)
3: well that's kind of a funny story too (laughs) Uh, (laughs) like i said when people sit down and talk with me or if i'm at a function
0: Mm
3: -hmm. it's either ghosts or the medical examiner as soon as someone finds out i work for the medical examiner's office Mm. everybody wants stories Mm. everybody's stuff must have been crazy there and it's like i i try and keep it lighthearted i try and keep you know try and tell like the, the more humorous stories mm-hmm. of things that have happened because it's just like you alluded to at, at the beginning i i had no clue of how to deal with dead bodies or or these scenes or anything mm-hmm. and, and once you're there i the first week i was there i mean i was told two things on my first week there one was you can't make this stuff up and mm-hmm. don't say it that eats is young so Ah! Oh God! Um, but I, you know, I sit there and tell. I just, just sit there and tell stories. Uh, I was at a a friend's backyard uh, cookout, barbecue thing, uh, last last summer, and there was a, another couple that had come up that were coming over, and I, I had met them like once or twice before. And the wife uh, was a, a nurse. She was working with a friend of mine that was a nurse. So that's how I knew her, and she came with her husband, and I met, this was the second time I was meeting him. And they kinda of walked right past the two people that were hosting the party, and <laughs> her husband came and sat right next to me, and she come over to kinda of chastise him a little bit, say, you know, it's kinda of rude you didn't even say hi to, hi to your, your host. I don't wanna give out any names. <laughs> 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 it's kinda of rude you just walked by and didn't say hi to your host, and he's like, yeah, but Lance is here, he says, I need more stories. <laughs> <laughs> And then there was, another, there was another woman, she just started dating one of my friends, and she's like, well, what kind of stories? And he's like, oh, he didn't tell you where he worked? And she's like, no. And I'm like, I worked at the medical examiner's office. And she was like, oh, my God, I, I want stories, too. So that, that's how it kind of came about. It's like everyone wants stories. Everyone wants to hear what goes on there.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Well, that's oh, how we I, live.
1: We live through books. I mean, we, we live, uh, you know, that's how we, we live other people's lives, through books is what I'm trying to say. Uh we don't know what it's like being a medical exam. We don't know what it's like being a detective. We don't know what it's like being a fireman. It's it's we learn that through books, through
3: other people's experiences. Oh this this is a good pulling back of the curtain, if you will. <laughs> medical examiner's office.
1: <laughs> so you've got to talk what was the probably the strangest case you've had
3: you know, I, I, I get I get asked that a lot. Are you and, sure? <laughs> well, you should. Well, the two that come to mind.
1: You can say both of them. We don't care.
3: <laughs> we have plenty of time. <laughs> the the auto erotic death. Oh God! Always kind of made my head spin.
1: Really? Uh, so, and somebody uh, else's too.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had this. We had this one young man come in, and he had a 12 pound weight clamped onto his. Scrotum. Oh. And and he had died from strangulation, so other things would, were going on. And he was he was on the table for a good five or six hours. I, I want to say almost eight hours on the table because we couldn't figure out how to get this device off of his scrotum. Oh no,
2: God!
3: There was no hinges. There was no hinges. There was no clamps. There was we couldn't find anything on it there was a pinhole on the backside top. So finally someone, this was like tech, they were sending tech back and forth to like Home Depot (laughs) trying to get saw blades. They were trying trying everything to, you know, get this thing off. They were trying a hammer and a chisel. They were trying all these different saw blades and stuff. And then someone finally noticed this little pinhole thing on the top in the backside of it, and they they stuck a probe in it, and it was like some kind of spring lock, and then the thing popped open, and it was like, it's just...
1: Like you reset a computer with a paper clip. Oh <laughs> <Lord. laughs>
3: it's it just a little tiny pinhole.
0: Yeah. Oh. Ah!
3: Ah, uh, that's too bad. You know, we <laughs> off and <laughs> we went about our day, I guess. Oh, my goodness. Oh, hopefully we die with a smile on his face.
2: Oh, God, did doesn't sound like it. I don't oh. know. It's, it's don't what
1: know. you get into, I guess. I, I
2: guess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, Lance. Go ahead.
3: No, I was just gonna say that's the one that really kind of when someone asks me what's the weirdest case, that's the one that kind of jumps out in my mind.
1: Yeah, okay. as soon as I said that, I was wondering, did you ever get bodies with smiles on their faces?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to say no.
1: Okay, I was just curious.
3: <laughs> you know, hey, we, we
1: want to know. cry <laughs> minds want to know. <laughs>
3: Don't recall any smiles. Uh, I don't oh, recall. Nice. I'll put all those gifts to rest. Of you know, uh, in the morgue, they generally don't move around.
1: <laughs> That's a good thing.
3: Nobody's sitting up.
1: <laughs> Damn! You're killing it. You're killing it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you it was a pulling back of the curtain.
1: Yeah. So, any uh, anything paranormal that ever occurred in the
3: morgue? Let's. Yeah. And in, I, I was just told the other day they got goosebumps reading the paranormal chapter. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I had some personal experiences in the morgue. I had several personal experiences in the morgue. Um, the way I wrote it in the book is it all kind of happened one night. But um, we had, it's called the Geco room, which is the room they do the decomposed bodies for autopsies. It's a separate room from the main, main room. Mm-hmm. And we had what we called the Geco the room doctor. And he was he was seen there by several people, and you know for obvious reasons, none of the other you know the doctors really didn't like being assigned to that room because that means they have a decomposed body they have to do. Hello. one
1: really
3: wants to do that, and we had this one particular woman doctor, and she had called down to the tech station and wanted her body set up, and she was going to come down, and that's okay. So I got her, I got her all set up in the room, pulled the body out. I uh, got all all her tools laid out for her and sitting there sitting back at the tech station waiting for her to come down. Mm-hmm. She come down, walked right by the tech station, went over to the door, and it's just got a little rectangular window in it, and she just kinda of stopped there and put her hands on her hips and then come back over to the tech station in a little bit, you know, with a little bit of an attitude.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
3: you know, I thought I was in that room today. And I'm like, Well, you are, Doctor And she says, Well, who's in there? Who's in there yeah. working on a block <sighs> And I'm like, I'm like, no one's in there. I says, I, I just got your your body set up. I says, that's your body. And she says, well, there's someone in there with a clipboard. Oh. My like like nobody says, I I just left that room like five minutes ago. No one's no one else has come down. <laughs> so we went in the room and obviously there's no one in there. So that that's the deco room, doctor.
2: Oh wow. Creepy. There's someone in there with a clipboard.
1: He's still doing his job. I like that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> It's still so hard at work with that. Dedication. Yeah. Dedication. I, I, I may make light of the medical examiner's office, but I do have the utmost respect for the doctors there and oh, the okay. other technicians. They, they
0: were
3: they were top. Some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life were those doctors.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So, oh well. Mm-hmm. Just right. the book.
2: <laughs> 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 Any other paranormal events? Just your your doctor, your ghostly doctor.
3: Right, I'll be, I'll give you my big story. Okay. Right. This one, this one almost made me uh leave my post, as they say.
2: Uh huh.
3: <clears throat> it was. I was working an overnight shift. Well, um, oh, I got to give you a little backstory. We had this. We had this new kid that came in. He was really young, college, just still in college. Actually, I think he was working on his PhD in forensics. And but he was. He just seemed to be real skittish around, you know, the the dead bodies and deceased people. So I used to kind of prank him all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Like I jump out of a rack of lab coats and grab his ankles and oh. <laughs> so that kind of stuff. Um, so he he was always swearing he was going to get me back. Uh-huh. So there was one night I was working third shift. It's probably two two three o'clock in the morning. I had two other technicians that were working with me. They were out on a truck uh, picking up some hospital cases. So I was I was alone in the building and I'm sitting at the tech station. And, and the phone rings, but it was ringing with an inside line tone. You know, you get the double ring for an outside line, and you just get a solid tone for the inside line. Right. So I look at the, the caller ID, and it said extension 106, which is the anteroom, room, which is the room you get suited up for the r in, which is uh, about 40 feet down the hall from the tech station. Mm-hmm. So I pick up the phone, and I'm like, tech station? And I was, like, kind of confused because there's nobody in the building. or are not mm-hmm. supposed to be. And <laughs> uh, the phone just kinda went static, it just kinda went, <laughs> and hung up. Oh. And I was oh. like, oh, so I, I yeah, so I, no, I, I get deep can tell telling the story. So I'm like, oh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be <laughs> Justin trying to get me.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So I, I walk down the hallway and I look in the ante room, the lights are out, I open the door, nobody's in the room, Every, everything's in place, everything's fine, and I'm like, huh. I kind of look in the autopsy room, lights are all out, it's empty, and I'm thinking, all right, I probably, I probably gave him enough time to at least hide somewhere, and I wasn't going to go look for him. <laughs> and go back to the tech station, um, I go back to the tech station and I'm sitting there, 20 minutes goes by, I get an inside line tone again. Oh no. And, and now it's extension 107, which is the second phone that's in the anteroom. Oh, crap. So I pick up the phone, and I'm like, ha-ha, real funny. I said, you got me. And I just got that, <sighs> and it hung up again. <sighs> and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get him. And I, I go running down the hallway. <laughs> I, I go flying into the anteroom. All the lights are out. Nothing's disturbed. I go right straight through that room into the autopsy room. Autopsy room dark. I'm like, there's no way he could have, there's no way he could have escaped. Uh-huh. He could no, have outran me. So I get back to the tech station. The, the two guys out on the truck called. Oh, before I got back to the tech station, I took uh one of the autopsy tables. They're 110 pounds, stainless steel tables.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I put one of the tables in front of the cooler door, about four inches off the door, and I locked the wheels on the outside of it. So if anything opened that door I'd hear it, bang. <laughs> 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 and I went back to the tech station and, and the other two guys had picked up their bodies and I'm like, yeah, you guys just need to come back there because you're not going out again tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> I didn't I didn't tell them what was happening that night, but yeah. Oh wow, that's crazy. Nobody else was going on the road that night.
2: <laughs> oh wow. That's yeah. That would make me uh yeah. I might not want to stay there.
3: Uh, no, that was uh, that was a scary night.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my scary. god. That's nuts.
1: So, let's talk a little bit about your paranormal investigating as well. What what places have you investigated in, in uh around and uh what what was your favorite?
3: Well, you know what, I'm going to go with, you may or may not remember this, one, but um, I was talking to you and Maureen at, I think it was North Andover Library, and you guys had done Bukos Tavern. Oh, yeah. In Kingston. Yeah. And that, that is actually, that was one of my favorite places to ghost hunt. Oh, and wow. I, I saw the apparition at Bukos on the attic stairs. And oh, wow. Me and Maureen were comparing notes after your presentation. And she validated everything I saw, and mm. I, I gave her some information about said entity that she didn't have. So we kind of validated each other, and it was pretty cool. Neat.
2: Wow. So this is K- Kingston, New Hampshire? Yeah,
1: yeah. Kingston, New Hampshire.
2: Oh, okay, because there's a yeah. Kingston down here near.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's like duplicate towns all over the country. Mm, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. That's why you always get a, you're right by asking what state it was. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was an interesting place, uh, for sure. I almost killed Maureen there, so. Oh! Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no big deal. I mean, just, I. No big we, deal. We, no, we, we, we had just, we had, uh, we, we would try to, you know, when she does these, these trans channel and stuff like that, and uh, it connects, we're trying to do, like, vital signs stuff and everything else. So I had this blood pressure cuff. It was a digital one uh, that I put on her. And, uh, uh, well, whether you know it or not, sometimes the paranormal can screw up electronics a little bit. Let's put it this way. So I just kept blowing this thing up. It's like she's turning purple. And Oh, yeah, so it wasn't good. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. But it, yeah.
3: Oh, I, so. I, the night I ran into, our, uh, into the apparition, there I almost killed our medium too. But that was because I almost knocked her over. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. But uh, it's what, what do you when you investigate? Uh, do you have a, a particular piece of equipment that you you primarily use, or, or that's your favorite piece
3: of equipment? I, I love the audio stuff, so my okay. my favorite of recent has been the uh, you know just an SB7 Ghostbox, mm-hmm. and I just bought one of those mini portals mini portals
0: mm-hmm.
3: that kind of amplifies it through like a little guitar amplifier type thing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been running it through that, and I, I'm getting decent results. I haven't gotten anything like outstanding with it mm-hmm. uh, recently, but I, I got some good ones from the past. I got some good answers from there was a built place in Exeter we had done. And I got a, a whole I wanted to be sentence off of the ghost box. That's cool. Well, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then I had another one at Hampstead Cemetery. We had a medium with us and she was she had asked the the spirit she was connecting with if he knew that he was dead and the ghost box spits out seriously. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So Yeah we... that would be nice. My-
1: one of my favorite ones that we had was uh, uh, we used the, the Hack Shack or the Shack Hack, or whatever the hell it is, the broken radio, which was the predecessor to all this stuff. And uh, we were using it at the Hawthorne Hotel in Salem during a spectral events we were doing there, and Maureen was there, and we were connecting with this thing. And, of course, she, you know, all the witches they, they killed and everything else. So we asked a question, uh, bunch of questions, and then we asked... Uh, well maureen's a medium what should we do with her and it came back bird witch <laughs>
0: <laughs> no
1: that's yeah a- that was good yeah, yeah i, enjoy- that I enjoyed that one <laughs> but uh you, you know I, let me ask you if you like the audio when, when evps first were were realized what was going on and and they started you know using them predominantly uh in research and so forth I mean, they used to get complete sentences, they would get, uh, you know, uh, sometimes they would be in different languages, uh, and it, we've lost that somehow, we've come up with all those electronic devices and stuff, but now we're only getting these little clips, we're only getting these little pieces now and then, not like they did with the early research. you have any idea why you think that's happening?
3: Uh, I, I have no idea why I think that's happening. Um but I agree with you. It, it, you, really do just get snippets. Like I said, the I want it to be is, is, probably considered pretty long for a, for an EDP.
1: It is, and it really is nowadays, yeah. cause you get, and, and the other thing is, is, there's so many of them, like, it, it, the, the, uh, it, they'll sp- spit out a lot of words, but we only grab the ones that, actually pertain to, to a, a place or an investigation. We sort of ignore the rest of them, too, which is is kind of sad, too. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I, the, all this new equipment was put this way. I, I'm beginning to think that the old stuff, a simple recorder, uh, might be the best way uh, to really do it. I mean, to me, that would be the, the clearer evidence. I mean, even the... I know that... Uh, uh, my friend Steve Parson is a parapsychologist in the u k uh, did going back to using uh real real ta- tape uh again and cassettes, uh, you know clear ones because that 's the, the really the good results they were getting back at that time they're they're attempting to uh, see what um what what they can do with that so maybe maybe we're over checking ourselves.
3: I I was gonna say it might be as simple as, you know, with the real the real tape the 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 magnetic, you know, connection or whatever to the tape. Correct. versus versus everything being, you know, digitized. So yeah. yeah, that that may be something to do with it. Yeah. We have uh one of the members one of the members on our team, uh Mary, she she wants to get her hands on a Polaroid camera.
1: Oh mm-hmm. say hello to Mary for me.
3: <laughs> What's that?
1: Say hello to Mary for me, oh, Mary oh, Swan.
3: Yeah,
1: Mary Tonya, I'm sure she's yep. listening. She's yep, my she's biggest uh, fan on Facebook. <laughs> yep, she's a uh, she's a friend of mine on Facebook. So yeah, so, so well, Mary, hello. Yeah, there you, you go. Know. Set up. Set <laughs> up directly. <laughs> but it's uh, you know, it's it's cool stuff. It's in, investigating certainly. Uh, you know, it, it's always been intriguing to me. One. For, for what we're trying to do and what we're trying to explain, but also for the, the historic significance of some of these places we get to visit. Uh, to me, uh, that's important too. Uh, uh, do you enjoy that part as well?
3: Oh, I, I love the history. That's one of the reasons I, I like to do it. Like, you know, Bucos with the building being so old, and it, it's functioned as practically everything it needed to function as in a town. Uh, yeah, I like that stuff. I like the architecture. I like the history. I like the stories that go with it. Um, there's another place in Kingston, uh, right down the street from Bucco, called the 1686 House, uh-huh. and we, we've recently we've recently investigated that place. And we might have a fundraiser coming up there, uh, a charity sure. event in January. But um, you well, know, that's if another. You do
1: let us know, and I'll announce it. On the, the morning show. That would be excellent. Yeah, it'd be excellent. I
2: always like that, and that aspect, that historical aspect, that's was a big pull for me when I started investigating as well.
3: Yeah, I, well, like the 1686 houses, it, you know, the, the thing that always blows me away is the fireplaces and the chimneys. Mm-hmm. It's just just blows my mind that they built that, you know, 300 years ago, fifty, 350 years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I think it's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, they,
1: they made a pretty good peck. I off to Admit that.
2: Uh, still standing.
0: Yeah, I know it.
1: it's
2: still standing. Hey, still by again. the way, you know they do make Polaroid cameras newer versions now, but it's I believe it still works on the same premise as it there, out that picture.
1: Doesn't have another name though. I forget what that name is. Is this? I know it's an instant camera. Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: I don't think I, it's, they call it a Polaroid, but. I was looking at them a couple of years ago for my kids um, and wondering if they would enjoy them. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's probably exactly the same, but it, it does. I, I think it's still spitting that camera out, that picture out of, of the front. The,
1: the only problem with doing film, and, and it, it's just so expensive. I mean, we used to work with infrared film which is was extremely expensive to buy uh, compared to regular film uh plus you had to take all the precautions of storing in a cold place loading a black bag unloading a black bag and uh developing was also expensive as well and you know most of your shots were really chunk <laughs> so, yeah in reality because that's what it was but uh the digital certainly helped that. Like, for instance, if you're going in a place and you, you want to know what the room is like, is you, you can take the pictures for digital uh, as your background or, or your baseline, and, and you can still use film. But, uh, yeah, digital has its its uses for uh, baselining and that type of stuff. Anyway, but that's the uh, bell, which means we've got to wrap it up. Uh we've been talking with uh Lance Anderson and uh he has a new book, Life in the Mod. Go check it out. It's on Amazon and Bonds and Nobles and uh wherever else. And and if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, Lance, how could they do that?
3: Uh I am on Facebook. Uh it is Lance uh underscore Anderson sixty six. That's my author page. Cool. Okay. Uh I'm on Twitter on the uh same thing. Or they can, you know, go through my, uh, paranormal website there, which is SpookyUs.org. Spooky Us.
1: <laughs> Anyways, thank uh, thank Lance so much for being on the show. And, and you know what, Lance, if if you would do me a big favor, is, is give me the address of that house in Lawrence. Not, I'm not going to do it in, a uh, message, uh, Facebook message, just so I can ask my wife about it. Because she grew up, like I said, she grew up there and, uh. I just want to know if she knew you at that time and everything, so or at least know where the house is. So that would be awesome if you could do that for me. I'm not going to oh, take just, care of that right just, now. <laughs> thank you very much, sir, for that. So, Lance, we want to thank you
3: for being Yeah, so thank you so much.
1: It was very in, really intriguing. And when you have your fundraiser, let me know and uh, we'll announce it for you as well.
3: Excellent. Thank you very right. much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. I love to talk goats, the medical examiner stuff, so I'll do this anytime you want.
1: Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much. Today's show, once again, was brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, in Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Gallant Messier Family Law Group on 4 High Street, Street 155, North End Massachusetts. Good night, and God bless
0: everyone.
2: Good night, everybody.
3: To ghosties, long-necked beasties,
0: and things that go bumper in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.